take the right door on your way down. There's no telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. Welcome, friend. I'm glad you're here. I found a door in these dank caves I've never seen before. I've been waiting to explore it, as I know you love to stick your nose in things, and this seems like the perfect situation for you. (laughs) And if I'm being honest, it would be much more enjoyable to do this with you. Who knows what we'll find? Well, come on. It's just over here. Elevator. How deliciously interesting. After you, my kind friend. Hmm. Seems there aren't any buttons in here. I wonder how it moves. Okay. It decides where we go. Hold on to the side, friend. Who knows how fast this will go? Whoa! A spooky mansion? How original, elevator. (laughs) The stories you seek lie beyond the doors, or within the items displayed. One avail to another world, another time, another story. Travelers beware. Wait! Hmm. Seeing as we're stuck here, I suppose we should take a look around, huh? Let's go inside. Instant teleport. Neat. Okay. I suppose the house wants us to go into this door first. A garage. There's some pretty fancy cars in here. Over here, friend. What is this? A gun? Maybe this is the pathway. Come over and touch this with me at the same time. Okay, you ready? On the count of three. One, two. Blinky, written by Miat Uyacic. Narrated by Heather Renee. Look at this guy. Just look at him. Emily glanced up from her phone. Her gaze shifted from a woman on the sidewalk to the cars waiting at the traffic light up ahead to the big red Jeep trunding down the opposite lane. Gray, featureless sky, rain inbound. She sighed and shifted in her seat, careful not to ruffle her dress. 
God, he's pissing me off, Rod said, tensing his fist on the steering wheel. Who, the Jeep? No, the guy behind us. She looked over her shoulder. A white car tailed them, so close she couldn't see its headlights. Its paint job was old and chipped and spattered with bird droppings. The corner of its greasy windshield, sporting a crack, barely held in check with a duct tape X. Its balding, bestickled driver was leaning forward and his seat like a child peeking over the steering wheel. These damn people, Rod said, shaking his head. Why would anyone drive like this? A dog could run into the street and I'd have to break. And then we'd all be sorry. And for what? Is he going to get somewhere faster because he's driving right up people's asses? Don't they teach them about personal space? Jesus Christ. They reached the traffic light and stopped behind a pair of leather-clad bikers. The white car stopped behind them. The driver swung the door and stepped out. He really was short. Five foot three, if that. Sixty-something. A belly like a baldy, concealed basketball stretching the front of his polo shirt. Ill-fitting beige pants with baggy hips and cuffs crumpled on top of dirty running shoes. Wrinkled face set around a sharp little nose then lips forming an inverted U. He tapped his knuckles on Rod's window. Rod looked at him through the glass, his hands tightening on the wheel, and said, What the hell do you want? Don't be like that, Rod, Emily said. Maybe he needs our help with something. The man knocked again and made a cranking gesture with his hand, his murky gray eyes fixed on Rod. Rod licked his lips, then lowered the window. What is this? I've seen some blinkies in my time, the man said, but gosh darn it, you take the cake. Huh? You don't know what a blinkie is? What the fuck are you talking about? The man flinched at the F word as if it stung. A blinkie, he said, emphasizing each syllable as if educating a toddler. Is an inconsiderate brat who leaves his friggin' blinker on while driving. Like that. He jabbed his finger at the dashboard, where the left-hand turn indicator was blinking on and off. Emily tried to recall the last time they'd taken a turn. It had been some minutes. Do you realize how pesky that is to other motorists? The man said. We keep expecting you to go left, but no. Every time we think you're finally going to leave the friggin' lane, you just keep going straight. And what about pedestrians? who have to wait before they cross because they think you're going to. Oh, fuck you, Rod said. At least I don't drive right up people's asses. Learn to keep your fucking distance in traffic. Jesus Christ. Emily tugged at his shoulder. Rod, let's go. The light is green. The man gasped. <gasps> you foul-mouthed brat. Fuck off, you crazy shit. You're the fucking blinky, Rod said. With that, he stepped on the gas and followed the other cars across the intersection. He waited for Blinky to recede into the distance before switching off the turn signal. Can you believe that? Goddamn freak. You shouldn't have been so mean. Drives up people's asses and then gives them crap for forgetting a blinker? What a loon. Emily sighed. Rod kept ranting, so she tuned him out and leaned back to watch the scenery. Gray suburban buildings an orange kiosk next to a bus station, a corner drugstore with racks of fresh vegetables by the entrance, and an ice cream toting brunette winking at them from a billboard. Well, I'll be, Rod said, staring at the rearview mirror. Sure enough, the ugly white car was back, catching up fast, 
The sight of it brought an icy twist to Emily's stomach. Blinky must really be given it to the cast pedal. The traffic light ahead shone red. Rod slowed to a halt. Blinky stopped behind them, threw the door open, and marched to their car. His cheeks had turned scarlet, and a thick vein stood out on his forehead like a mountain range on a 3D map. Rod leaned out and said, Stop harassing us or I'm going to call the cops. I'm serious. You foul mouth brat. You apologize for what you said. You apologize right this instant. What? I'm not apologizing for shit. You said I'm crazy. You called me a crazy sh 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 He took a deep breath and drew his fingers through his meager hair. You apologize right now. Fuck you, Blinky. Blinky gasped. Frig me? Frig me? Frig you, you freaking brat. His hand flew behind his back and returned with a large chrome sidearm and pointed it at Rod's face. Emily opened her mouth to scream. A bang like a hand clap. Wet chunks splattering over the radio, the dashboard, the steering wheel. Rod's body jerked once and slumped over the window frame, the back of his head gaping like a deformed mouth. Emily shrieked. Stop that noise! Blinky shouted, his voice high-pitched like a child's. He slapped his fists against his ears. Stop it! I'm sick and tired of all you brats yelling and screeching at people. I can't stand it anymore. All my life I had to put up with... Help! Emily screamed, fumbling at her seatbelt. Somebody! Ah, shit, quiet! He swung the pistol toward her, just as her thumb found the clasp button. She yanked at the door handle and shoved against it. She heard a bang and buzz like a bee flying past her ear, and then her elbow met the asphalt. Gasping, she pulled her legs out of the car and scrambled across the road on all fours. Another gunshot. A plume of dust burst from the ground a foot from her. Emily leaped to her feet and broke into a run. A few lopsided steps later, she realized she had lost one of her high heels. She kicked the other one off and dashed for the sidewalk. No! Don't you run, woman! Come back this instant! You can't do this to me! Emily rushed past the traffic light and sprinted over the intersection. She looked back to see him, maybe a dozen yards behind her, arms pumping, his red face a wrathful mask. He raised the pistol and she screamed and ducked her head, throwing her hands up as if that would make a difference. The bullet chipped the wall above her scalp. She saw a bus station and ran toward it. You won't escape! He screamed. I know you brats. You always get away with making trouble, but you're gonna pay this time. You're gonna pay. Help! She screamed. An elderly couple and a trio of boys waited at the station. They looked at Emily and Blinky. That guy is packing, a lanky boy said, and all three of them spun on their heels and raced down the sidewalk. The elderly gent moved to stand between the old lady and the incoming Emily. He wore a checkered shirt and a blazer, and his pants were pulled up over his belly button. He extended an arm toward Emily, though whether to offer aid or shield himself, she couldn't tell. Don't you involve them in this! Blinky yelled. Stop right there! The gun barked and the glass wall of the bus station exploded. It barked again and the old man's neck bloomed. Another shot and he lurched as if punched in the chest and stumbled against Emily. She lost her balance and went down on one knee. Her dress tore down the side with a loud rip. 
Blinky and the old lady shrieked simultaneously. The old lady took a wobbling step, then her hand went to a spot below her collarbone, where blood was spreading over white satin, like a red ink blot. She collapsed with a soft thud. No, 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 no! Look what you did! Look what you brat made me do! Emily regained her feet and kept running. Blinky let out an incoherent howl and resumed the chase. He was overweight and decades her senior, but she was barefoot and out of shape, and he was closing the distance, his legs pumping in mad rhythm. Drivers who saw them turned their cars and sped away. Two girls across the street spotted the gun in Blinky's hand and backed against the nearby building like chameleons, trying to meld with the scenery. The taller one raised the phone and started recording. Then, salvation. A police cruiser parked next to a coffee shop. A silver-haired officer in the driver's seat, reading a newspaper. She screamed. Help! Just as another officer emerged from the coffee shop. In his hands, a cup carrier with two large cappuccinos. The second cop looked at her and Blinky. His eyes widened. The cup carrier fell from his hand as he reached for his pistol, the cappuccinos erupting all over the sidewalk in a brown spray. Something bit Emily's calf and she went down, skinning her arms and knees. She grabbed at her leg and her hand came back wet and crimson. She moaned and looked to the cop for help, but he was no longer there. He'd fallen against the wall of the copy shop and sunk to the ground to sit in the cappuccino puddle. Red pumped from a hole in his neck. In the cruiser, the silver-haired cop dropped the mic and opened his door and rested his pistol on the roof and fired. Blinky fired back. Bullet holes crisscrossed the car's door, and the cop grunted and toppled behind the car and out of sight. No! I won't drop it! Blinky screamed in reply to a demand that had never been made. You can't make me. I don't answer to you. You're done making me do things. My fate is my own now. Slowly, leaning on her arms, Emily put her feet under her and tried to prop herself up. But her injured leg flared. Her knee buckled and she fell with a cry. A pale shadow touched her. She looked up to see Blinky pointing the gun at her. I told you. I told you you were gonna pay. All my life I watched you brats get away with everything. No more. No more. I won't let you do me like that anymore. From now on, Justice will be served. Please. He pulled the trigger. Click. He looked at the gun as if it was an alien artifact. His nose crinkled and his mouth pulled down like he'd swallowed something spoiled. Gosh darn it, he said. Gosh darn it to heck. Then he reached into his back pocket and drew out a fresh magazine. Quickly, keeping her injured leg in the air, she scuttled to the coffee shop and grabbed the door handle. Holding on to it, she pulled herself up and hopped into the shop on one foot. A cheap establishment with a busted ceiling fan and scratched metal tables and chairs not meant to be sat in for long. Half a dozen people inside. A couple ducked under their table. An obese woman dropped her donuts and trundled into the toilet and locked the door. A waiter threw a chair through a back window before trying to dive outside, only to misjudge his leap and shred his arms on the glass. A teenager held his phone against his ear in a trembling hand. A young mother stood by the counter with a little boy. The kid was holding a muffin, his mouth brown with chocolate. Police, Emily said, the word a squeak. Call the police. 
She hopped inside, past the bleeding waiter and the cowering couple and the young mother with her boy. She ducked under the bar flap and hid behind the counter. Where is she? Blinky screamed, kicking in the door. Everyone else screamed too. You're hiding her from me. Don't you dare hide her. You're all the same. All you brats are of the same cloth. Another gunshot. Deafening. In the small shop. It stabbed Emily's eardrums like a hot needle, replacing most noises with ringing and rendering the rest distant and vague. Muffled screams. She peeked around the counter to see the teenager lying, curled on his side like a dying rodent. The waiter tried to crawl under a table. Blinky saw him and shouted soundlessly at him, and the waiter raised the bloody hand to protect his face. Blinky put a bullet through palm and skull, both. Where is she? I won't let this injustice stand! I won't. Where the frig is she? The young mother turned to the counter, and for a split second, her blue eyes met Emily's. Her features were young, freckled, barely out of high school, and full of determination. Emily opened her mouth to shriek, to tell her to stop, to drop on her knees and beg for mercy. But the girl pushed her kid behind her and grabbed a mug from the counter and flung it like a baseball. It broke against Blinky's face. He let out an ow and reeled, slapping bits of porcelain from his eyes. The girl charged him, raising her fist like an action star. Red spots opened in the girl's back. She stumbled and fell and lay still. Blinky said, Gosh darn you! He shot her two more times. Emily hid behind the counter again. The boy lay stunned a couple feet from her looking around as if unaware how he'd come to be here, his chocolate-stained mouth gaping to reveal gums still sprouting baby teeth. She pulled him to herself and hugged him. I'm sorry, honey. She muttered into his hair. I'm so sorry. Then Blinky was there, the barrel of his gun staring at her like an empty eye socket. His glasses were gone, his face a web of lacerations. Gotcha. Told you you can't run. All my life I've been done in by your kind, but no more. Enough is enough, I say. Please. Emily whimpered, turning to shield the boy with her body. Don't hurt the child. Gunshots. Cracked like thunder. A white car passed outside and Emily drew in a hissing breath. It wasn't Blinky's car, not even close. This one was bigger, newer, freshly washed. Still, she stared at it wide-eyed until it passed, her coffee cup hovering an inch from her mouth, her pulse hammering in her temples. Somewhere close, a fly buzzed. Miss, are you all right? Emily swallowed. She lowered her cup without taking a sip. The hands clutching it were thin and pale, the skin around the fingernails not raw. The sun and the warmth outside clashed with her black shirt black pants, heelless black shoes. Her hair was tied in a tight bun. No jewelry. Resting against her chair, a brown cane still glossy from the store. The man sitting across the table from her turned to look through the coffee shop window at the street outside. His face was all sharp angles and piercings polished to a shine. One on his brow, another above his chin. He sported a slim goatee and his dyed blonde hair was beginning to recede. The journalist identification dangling around his neck named him A. Lee. 
Did you see something? Emily dropped her gaze. No, I... I mean, there was a white car for a moment. I... Lee gave a solemn nod, then took his tablet and added a few more lines to the wall of his text he had written during their conversation. She had expected him to record the interview with the same device, but he used the silvery dictaphone. She didn't ask why. In the weeks following what the newspapers had dubbed the coffee shop horror, she had declined too many interviews to count, wishing only to grieve in peace. Then the bill for Rod's funeral arrived and she found herself in desperate need of extra funds. So there she was, back at that nameless coffee shop with a dead ceiling fan. Lee thought revisiting the location of the massacre would make the interview more genuine, talking about the worst day of her life to the highest bidder. What is your opinion of Officer Norton? He... he saved my life. He even sent me a get well card while I was in the hospital. I think the world of him... Norton was the silver-haired cop who had been sitting in the cruiser when she came running to the coffee shop. Blinky shot him in the arm. The bullet chipped an artery. Norton applied a tourniquet, stumbled into the shop, and ended Blinky with a triple tap to the back. His photo came out in the papers with Hero Cop, printed under it in blocky letters. Later, after she had answered all of Lee's questions and he was reaching for the dictaphone, she grabbed his hand and said, Wait, I... I would like to add something. Of course, please, do. This, uh, this all happened because, uh, because my brother was rude to that man. I mean, I know the man was insane, and that probably would have made no difference, but... Go on. People should be nicer to each other. Even if it's some stranger, you never know what goes on in their head. Or if they have a knife or a gun, you just never know. Lee watched her as if expecting her to say more. When she didn't, he nodded and said, Thank you. I thought you'd ask me if I knew the man's name. I know you don't. You do? He shut off his tablet and his dictaphone. Yep. I have my sources. I know the police don't have a clue. They didn't find anything? Nope. The guy carried no idea and his face wasn't in any database. His picture has been in the papers for days now, and no family or friends have come in with any information. They know he was about 60 and that for the past eight years. He'd worked at a gas station out in the desert. Double shifts. His boss knew him only as Walter. Paid him in cash. Said he was a little on the strange side. Her mouth twisted. He pushed his tongue against the inside of his cheek, as if considering something. Then he leaned closer and said, Probably shouldn't tell you this, but people have reported sightings. Sightings? Yeah, Walter. Or whatever his real name is. But he died. I saw it. I know, but after his pictures came out in the news, people have called the police saying they've seen someone who looks like him. Normally, the cops ignore these things, but there's been lots of these sightings. Most were near a shooting range a few miles from the gas station where Walter worked. As if... The top of Lee's head exploded. Warm stickiness splashed over Emily's face, and then she heard screams from herself, the waitress, the patrons... Through a crimson mist, she saw a short man in the doorway. Blinky. His hair was grayer, his spectacles were thicker, and the belly disfiguring his shirt was rounder. But Blinky, nonetheless, a magazine belt around his waist, smoking in his hands an assault rifle. Which one of you foul-mouthed brats 
is the skunk who got my little brother shot. He roared, spraying spittle. Gosh darn it, they'll be hip to pay. With that, he squeezed the trigger and didn't let go. You've been listening to the Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Blinky was written by Miat Bujicic and was first published in the Double Barrel Horror Anthology. Miat has three horror novels written in Serbian, Vavi Akvarel, Necromancer, and Vampire. His stories have appeared in SQ, Crimson Streets, Encounters, Serial, Devolution Z, Under the Bed, and many others. Narration was done by Heather Renee. For more from Heather, check out the Can't Be Influenced podcast for your slice of entertainment news. Or check out our website, heathervo.com. Or catch her on Instagram at heather.renee.vo. Links are in the description. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. This episode was produced and edited by James Barnett. For access to exclusive episodes, why not go ahead and support us on Patreon? Link is in the description. And as always, stay horrific, everyone. <laughs>